The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. As he stood up to read, oh, and he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Those words, of course, were written by a man called John Newton as he looked back and reflected on that moment when grace first broke into his life. You may well be aware of the story of John Newton, uh, born in, uh, I think it was 1725, uh, and uh, for the first few years of his life, brought up by a very loving mother who uh, would uh, read the Bible with him and pray with him and who um, pray for him and told him uh, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and told him about the love of God and that uh, God is a gracious God who uh, longs to forgive those who don't deserve to be forgiven who longs not only to forgive them, but to make them members of his family, to make them sons and daughters of the living God. But when uh, John Newton was uh, seven, or just before he turned seven, in fact, his mother died, and he uh, was raised by others in the family and, uh, who were not so kind to him, and he began to forget about these great truths, these great lessons that his mother had taught him. And he went, uh, as I'm sure you know, significantly off the rails. He started to live a quite uh, startlingly immoral life. His father was involved uh, at sea, and John soon went to sea, and ended up, as he grew older, working on uh, the slave ships. And one night, uh, after several years on the slave ships, he was caught in a violent storm and the ship was filling with water, and he cried out to the Lord uh, for mercy. And he recounted that at first, Newton was convinced that the Lord would not hear his prayer, let alone answer it, because of the kind of life he had led and the kind of man he had become. He felt that his sins had put too great a barrier between him and God for God to meet his prayer, for, to hear his prayer. Uh, But in fact, the storm got worse, and it seemed very much as if he would lose his life. And in that moment, 
uh, it seems grace at last broke in, that he remembered that which his mother had taught him about the graciousness of God, that actually God longs, he delights to forgive the wretched and the broken and to make them members of his family. And it was at that moment that he remembered that great truth that God forgives any and all who turn to him, that he breathed his first sort of prayer of faith after many, many years. And of course, you'll know that God, in fact, did in his mercy keep him and the rest of the crew safe. The boat made it back to shore. Uh, But as John remembered, as he reflected on what had happened on the boat, as he remembered it, he began to turn to Jesus and to ask him for forgiveness, uh, to ask him to make him a part of God's family, and to lead a new life. And from that moment, as he first again experienced God's grace, his life began to change. First, he began to live a new way, and later on, he started to change what he did. Eventually, he gave up uh, working on slave ships, and in fact, became a vicar, and started telling people about the good news of Jesus. And of course, he wrote this now incredibly famous hymn, Amazing Grace, many years later, which sort of captured what had happened to him all those years ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Newton's life was slowly but surely turned upside down when God's grace broke in. And when God's grace broke in to open his eyes to these two great truths, two truths that would never leave him, he was asked at the end of his life, you know, what it was that summed up his life. And by this stage, he was an old man, very old man for the time. His memory had almost entirely gone. And he said, I remember two things, really. I remember two things, uh, that I am a great sinner. He never forgot that fact, that he had lived for many years in a way that displeased God and was damaging to self and damaging to others. He had been a wretch. He knew that. Uh, And he continued to let God down even once he'd become a Christian. He knew that. I'm a great sinner, he said, but what he discovered was that Jesus was a greater savior, uh, that he came to save people as lost and as broken and as wretched as John Newton had been. And that is precisely the point Jesus makes in Luke 4, isn't it? That's what Luke 4 is all about. Uh, Jesus says, I have come to set people free. Good news to the poor. Good news to those who have no resources. I have come to set people free. I've come to set people free from sin, is the first point he makes, who are prisoners. And now compared to John Newton, we would all come off pretty well, I guess. But as someone has said very well, it's easy to look tall in a field of short grass. We all know, I think, deep down, that there is something in us that makes us want to live life our own way, that pushes self forward, and if necessary, pushes self forward at the expense of others, Uh, that does not look to go God's way, that we live in ways that are displeasing to God, damaging to self, damaging to others. And Jesus says, and the Bible says it through and through, and Jesus says it too, that there is a sense in which we are all by nature slaves to this aspect of our character. Naturally, we're unable to break free of it. We just like the trolley in Tesco's that has that will. No matter how straight you push it, it veers to the right. 
that there is something in us, the Bible calls it sin, that does that. We're slaves to that aspect of our character. Jesus says, I've come to set those in prison to that aspect of their character free. He frees people from sin's penalty. Uh, When we fail, we can always find forgiveness with God because he put the penalty for our sin on his son. God does not treat us as our sins deserve because he treats Jesus as our sins deserve. And when Jesus dies on the cross, that is what he is doing. He is paying the penalty for our sin. Frees us from sin's penalty. He also frees us from sin's power. He gives people a new power by his spirit to live a new way. To start to go God's way. No matter how halteringly at first, we can now go God's way. Start to live for him. Start to live for others. Sin is no longer, says Jesus, for those who follow him, it is no longer inevitable. So he frees us from sin, and he frees us, did you notice, from blindness. Recovery of sight for the blind, Jesus says. I once was blind, but now I see, Newton said. Now what did he mean? Of course, he wasn't actually blind, was he? He was sailing a ship. He wasn't actually blind. What he means is this, that he had lost sight of two things. He'd lost sight of God and who he is, and he'd lost sight of himself. He'd lost sight of what he'd become. He had no notion that he was doing anything particularly wrong. He was just doing what people of the day did. God, in his grace, as Newton looks back, in his grace opened John Newton's eyes to what God is like and to what he was like. He recognized that he was a wretch, and actually he thanked God for that because that was the first stage of him changing. God showed him what he was like and then opened his eyes to what God is like. God longs to forgive and to save the wretched. And Jesus is still at work opening eyes today. That is still what he does by his grace. The first thing he does is he opens our eyes to how much we need him, we need saving, that we are broken people, and we need forgiving. And he opens our eyes to how much he loves us. The Christian gospel, as has been well said, is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, and yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. And that is the gospel. And Jesus opens our eyes to those facts. So he frees us from sin, he frees us from blindness, he frees us from oppression. Uh, how, much, how many of us are oppressed by things, mistakes and regrets in life? There is much to oppress us, and Jesus says he has come to free us from such oppression. The point is this, Jesus comes to people like me and to people like you and he offers us God's favor, freedom from sin, blindness and oppression, freedom to become the people we were created to be, freedom to live a new life as forgiven members of his family and that is amazing grace. It is grace because we do not deserve it. There is nothing here of merit. It is utterly undeserved and what is offered is a new start a place in his family, forgiven and filled with his spirit in order that we might live a new life. One of the things that is pictured in baptism is, is this very thing. You know, as the water comes on, the water is, in some senses, as the water is poured on, as you go into the water, you come out of the water, it is a sign of death and life. Death to the old way of life and the beginning of a new way of life. And we're going to be thinking about grace for the rest of the autumn. Because nothing liberates a life like the experience of grace. I want us to uh, say this morning and throughout the autumn, nothing is as life-changing as grace. 
There are many ways we try and change our lives. But I want to tell you this morning that not guilt or obligation or willpower or fear or anxiety or whatever else it might be produces lasting, profound change in a life. They might produce some temporary, superficial change, but they will not change your heart. Grace does. Grace changes us at the very core of our being. Grace compels change, but it compels change as a consequence of now being accepted by God. You do not have to change to become acceptable. You change because you are accepted. One person said this, grace never leaves a person where it finds them. There is no such thing as a person who receives the saving grace of God and is unchanged. It changes what you love. It changes what you live for. It changes how you view yourself. It changes how you view God. And it changes how you view everyone around you. Grace is designed to flood every compartment of life. It floods our spiritual life, our mental life, our emotional life, our personal life, our home life, our married life, our leisure life, our work life, whatever it might be. The list is as broad and deep as the people we are and the lives we lead. And as it floods each compartment of life, it brings life to each compartment of life. Somebody has said, we never get beyond the gospel. The gospel of grace is not the first step, it is the hub in the wheel of truth. And yet so often we forget what it is to live a life of grace. We don't take grace and apply it to every aspect of life. One person said the key to continual and deeper spiritual renewal and revival is the continual rediscovery of the gospel. And that's my prayer for our autumn series, that we'd see afresh how amazing grace is, that we'd experience renewal as we look at the doctrine of grace, God's undeserved favor towards us, what it's rescued us from, what it's rescued us for, and we take it and we apply it into every area of life. And we think about how it frees us to say sorry, how it frees us to say I forgive you, how it frees us to say help, how it frees us to say, how can I help you? How it frees us to fail. How it frees us to live in new ways we couldn't have imagined possible. My prayer is that we would experience afresh the goodness of God's grace. We would taste and see the sweetness of it. And in so doing, experience afresh the new life of God that grace brings in every area of our lives. And may God give us the grace so to do. Amen.